The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond. 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 What's up, everybody? Welcome to Podcast Beyond, episode 342. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside. He only does everything. Colin Moriarty. Now, usually I like to take a breath and say Beyond a little bit after you, but Vince jumped in there like he thinks he's a fucking OG saying Beyond before I'm saying Beyond. So, Vince, I need you to leave the podcast. <laughs> That's now. it. It's been nice, everyone. <laughs> then that other voice you hear, the PlayStation Wonder Kid. Beyond, Vince. Wonder Kid? Yeah. yeah. Wonder, 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 wonder I usually say Wonder Kind. Today wonder I said Wonder Kid. <laughs> Wunderbar. Oh, no. Ah. Mm. Nope. no. It's nope. so hot, though. You got to drink it like that. It's not even that hot. You got to slip it. No, it's <laughs> not hot at all. <laughs> no. And maybe it's trying to tell you something. <laughs> Man, I don't think so. I don't think it's trying to tell me anything. Uh, what's everybody? This is Podcast Beyond IGN's PlayStation Podcast, the number one PlayStation podcast on the internet. Every Tuesday, we post it as an MP3. Every Wednesday, as a video on IGN.com, YouTube.com, slash IGN, and the IGN PlayStation 4 app, which you can get for absolutely nothing. So go do that. How's everybody doing? I'm all right. I didn't want to jump in. I was like, I was about to be like, I'm doing great, Greg, but I didn't want to, you know. See, you're hungry and piss you're off yeah, old man hung- grumpy over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colin's yeah. like that old cat in the yard. Yeah. Nobody, nobody fucks with that cat, and then somebody <laughs> does like a hat. <laughs> right in the head. <laughs> you, descri- you described IGN once to me as like a bunch of cats. We are a herd of as, cats. You know, that when I first came in, I was like, yeah, everyone's kind of like, eh. Yeah. Like, dude, we're just all a bunch of like angry old cats. You know, we're going to hiss at you for a while. And yeah. then, you know, after a while, we're just going to bop you in the face. Then eventually you're one of us. Yeah. It's fine. That's me hissing. Here's a question I have for you, Vince. Mm-hmm. What happened to your glasses? I've been noticing this week you got a scratch. Yeah, there. the scratch, it's been growing like consistently over the last couple of weeks and it's like one of those things where so I just moved I moved from uh, from San Francisco to Walnut Creek and work's been busy so it's like I haven't had a second to really kind of get this situation, this this is the situation he's you can't talking about. If you're looking, about. If you're looking my, on the video, if you're the, looking on the, the video, it's bifocal. Yeah, it's the reverse uh, bifocal. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a bifocal turned ninety degrees. Yeah. yeah, it's a disaster. I gotta sort my life out, but uh, don't worry. By the time I come back from vacation. I will be looking spiffy and brand new, I promise. You look spiffy to me all the oh, time. Oh, thank you. Hell of a show for you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to talk about that Borderlands 2 on Vita, some Batman and Arkham Origins stuff, and a whole bunch of listener mail. But first, let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. Time for some news. There are 11 items on the 11. list. 11. Close 11. to a dozen. It's a plethora of news. Real, it is a lot a myriad. of news. Myriad. <laughs> it's the reverse Baker's Dozen. A, co- a cornucopia. <laughs> Real quick, are we uh, 
we we said a couple weeks ago, Greg, not on the podcast, but actually in private, that Tuesdays were going to be mandate days. Right. But we never, not mandate, not like a mandate, but sure. a mandate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, are we doing that tonight? Because I just forgot about it. I did too. And uh, You and made plans? That, no. Okay. I don't ever have plans. Okay. <laughs> sometimes you go to dinners with people. That's true. You I have plans on Sunday. You go to clandestine dinners. And you have sometimes. plans on Sunday. You're absolutely like, do not do not screw with me on Sunday. Well, that's... that's well, he doesn't roll fo- on Shabbos. During yeah. football season. The football season, yeah. I am... If it, like, from preseason all the way through the Super Bowl, do not even talk to me on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not... I'm Gonna not going work. anywhere. Unless you're watching football, then you're fine. Yeah, if you want to come over and watch football, you're more yeah. welcome to do that. Uh, but otherwise, don't even talk to me. Getting back to Mandate, yeah. which sounds like Mandrake from Harry Potter. Uh, no, let's not do it. I Because I leave town on thursday we have to record a show tomorrow night mm. so rather than just being like hey steimer monday was your last night with me tough <laughs> i don't probably... think she really likes you that much i think she likes me all right oh all right no, okay she likes okay. the flavor she yeah. likes the flavor it's like she likes guild wars and pertello then i'm gonna play and me then i'm gonna play transistor tonight oh that's what Ooh, i want to play I that play game looks so dead. rad i'm gonna play walking dead and then transistor. i should be packing tonight but i'm probably gonna play transistor mm. instead number one for the fourth time in five years, Sony Corporation will post a loss for the fiscal 2013 year, which ended in March of 2014. Sony posted a loss of $1.27 billion, up from the company's projection in February of losing $1.07 billion, and a far cry from the $489 million the company projected to earn some time ago. In solidarity, Sony CEO and President Kaz Harai, along with numerous other executives, will take 50% pay cuts and return their annual bonuses, according to the Wall Street Journal. Dang. This is a very traditional Japanese thing to do, uh, but still very interesting. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a symbolic thing. Right. Yeah. That, that will mean nothing to the bottom line there. You know, they probably get, you know, collectively $50 million in bonuses or something <laughs> across the board. And then that's and then their their salaries. I mean, who gives a shit? But it's them saying, like, we will suffer, too. Hey, we screwed up. We're going to try to fix it. We're going to pay for it. Yeah. What does it mean, Colin? You're, you're the numbers guy around here. Oh, sure. You're the businessman. Sure. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So Got that MBA. We always talk about it that the PlayStation <laughs> business is doing fine. Yeah. PlayStation Sony's the fine. one that's struggling. What does that mean in the grand scheme of things? Um, I don't know. I mean, so the, the loss that they posted, they blame almost entirely on the PC division, which they're mm-hmm. trying to uh, sell, spin off and sell. Yeah. Um, so they apparently have so much unused stock, I guess, in parts um, and computers, like finished computers, that like they have to take these as losses on their books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume that that will be fixed once they, you know, get rid of this this uh, this particular division. Um, what it means for PlayStation, I don't know. I don't think it means anything. I think if they're smart, they let PlayStation kind of do its thing. Kaz Harai, come, who is the CEO of Sony Corp, comes from PlayStation, and so I think he knows um, the benefit of letting PlayStation kind of flex its muscles. But um, the Wall Street Journal makes a good point that um, they project to sell 20 million pieces of hardware this year, this fiscal year. So that's PS4 and Vita and even PSP. Yeah. Um, so you assume 15 million of that is PS4, but they were saying that even those numbers seem lofty, but compared to six years ago, that's down 45%. That they projected to sell almost 40 million units and did um, six years ago before they started posting losses, um, and that was when PS3, PS2, and PSP. So oh, the PSP. So the the market is shrinking. PS4 is doing great, but the mar- the overall PlayStation market seems to be shrinking. Um, so, you know, who knows what it means. They make a lot of money in weird ways, too. They have, like, banking services and medical equipment and, like, all sorts of weird shit. They're reviving the Walkman brand, which apparently is supposed to be, like, as a digital reco- you know digital device, which is supposed to be pretty cool. And their 4K TV shit, they just won't give it up. So, um, <laughs> The three richest kings will buy these and we'll be set. <laughs> so that, that's basically all the insight I have. It was good. It's fascinating. As usual. It's fascinating to me just because if you, if you turn back the clock 
to when the PlayStation, the first PlayStation hit, and Sony was absolutely known as a leader in uh, in electronics, you know, like TVs and uh, and music players. You never would have guessed that in a decade that or more that it would be their gaming division that would be leading the company right. and everything else would seem like more or less dead weight. Like it, the, the idea, I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen. Who knows? Like you said, they, they just won't give up on these things. Sometimes they're, they're very stubborn. A lot of companies are when they put a lot of money into R and D for something, but it would be amazing if we saw a future, maybe another 10 years down the road where, where Sony is literally PlayStation and, and yeah. not much else. I mean, I don't want to see that for sure, but the idea that that could happen, that kind of reversal could be fascinating. Mm. Yeah, they make good electronics, really good electronics, yeah. but they sell them at a premium. You just can't do that anymore. Like, especially their South Korean competitors and some of their Japanese competitors are just destroying them because they make TVs and you know cameras and shit that are just as good, and they don't charge an arm and a leg. Markedly cheaper, yeah. Yep. Um, okay. Number two, Konami has revealed that its game sales are down 37% year over year. In its most recent fiscal year, the company sold 10.81 million games, down from 13.61 million games the year before. Metal Gear Solid Five Ground Zeroes has been a strong performer for the company, as has the Japanese-only baseball game on PS3 and Vita, ba- Professional Baseball Spirits, which sells extraordinarily well over there. Professional um, Baseball Spirits? I'm not sure if it's like a... Um, I'm not sure if that's like a licensed game for the Japanese Baseball League, or if that's... Because the, Jap- the Japanese Baseball League's pretty big deal over there oh yeah um or if it's like a, some sort of like you know very japanese you know i think it's that you're playing uh, with spirits of passed on baseball players yeah i, I, I wonder i want to know like more i want dreams. to know more about that i um, would i would like to play a baseball game like that it's been so long since there's been good like arcade style baseball games like back like, i want to play a japanese developed baseball game again like i, I want another baseball simulator that's mm. what I want. baseball simulator 3000 okay. like the it's like, it was like mario baseball before mario baseball that OG Mario baseball. Yeah. Had fire flowers. Mm-hmm. This is a quick aside, but number three, similar to its first party cousin, Gran Turismo, which had a heavy slate of post-release DLC, Drive Club will be supported by a litany of tran- microtransactions that will be available on day one. Um, you can learn more about Drive Club, including about its cars, tracks, and more on IGN. We have a bunch of shit up about that game right now. Um, that's the big first party game for this fall. So, Can't wait. Enjoy. <laughs> Are you going to play it? No. Not even not even a prayer of me playing that game. You going to play the crew? Uh, no. I don't play racing play... games. Do you hate cars? Yes. <laughs> I don't play racing games. You don't play Mario Kart 8? Yeah, I'll play Mario Kart 8. Okay. Those aren't real cars, though. Those are fictional. <laughs> I, I know. I'm just seeing where we are on the gauge scale of what we care about. Those are the missing golf carts from Mario Golf. Mm. Mario Golf Kart. Number four. Killzone Shadowfall and Infamous Second Son may be huge sellers on PlayStation 4, but the console's best-selling game is Call of Duty Ghosts. Activision revealed this news in its fiscal report. The company's follow-up to Ghost Call of Duty Advanced Warfare will be released this November. Um, I thought and had said incorrectly... That Killzone was actually the best-selling game uh, on the system because it sold about two and a half million units. Um, so that's pretty remarkable that on seven million PS4s there might be three million or more copies of Call of Duty. Ghosts. A lot of people didn't think that the jump would make Call of Duty gamers would make that jump to next gen. Um, I really liked that game, Ghost. I thought it was really fun. Uh, the campaign was good. The um, that like survival mode, the online mode. I can't remember what it's called anymore. I, I remember something Extinction, about yeah. a dog. There, yeah, Riley. Riley. Was, that a, was that a thing? Yeah, that was stupid. But I like Call of Duty game, like campaigns. I like dogs. Yeah, so you're in good. You're in, they should take all of the campaigns from the Call of Duty games and put them on one disc and sell it. <laughs> That'd be fun. The part that nobody plays. That's not true. A lot of people play it. You and I play it. A lot of people Most Call play. of Duty people don't. Alfredo and all his little first-person shooter friends, none of them play it. You think they want to practice or something? They do. They. Well, I mean, it's a completely different skill set, though. You practice against other people. You go, go on, on multiplayer. I'll, your teeth. I'll go on multiplayer and wreck shop. You will not. Oh, yeah. No. No one will touch me. Number five. 
Bandai Namco has revealed that Dark Souls 2 has sold 1.2 million copies in North America and Europe. Those sales only track through the end of March and don't count recently released PS- PC iteration, indicating that sales are likely fly- far higher. Uh, for context, the original Dark Souls so- sold 2.3 million copies as of April 2013. These are interesting sales here. The company revealed that Dragon Ball Z Battle of Z for PS3, Vita, and 360 sold 620,000 units. The Vita and PSP exclusive God Eater 2 that's only out in Japan sold 700,000 units. And PS3 fighter JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle only in Japan sold 550,000. Yep. You know fighting games. I know a thing didn't or two review, about Didn't you freelance games. JoJo when it came here or something? No, uh, I, I bought it in Japan. He bought it in it. Japan at okay. uh, TGS, and then I did a little coverage on it, and then I did the review and a video preview. I love that game. <laughs> Number six. This is interesting. This is an interesting little insight here, Vince. Last week, we reported that Sony sold all but shares in Square Enix that it owned. But there was a reason for that. Square Enix producer Shinji Hashimoto revealed that Sony originally bought the stock in 2001 to help Square Enix through financial trouble. Mm -hmm. Now that the situation is reversed, Square Enix decided to help Sony during its own financial issues. Speaking of Square Enix, the company has officially returned to profitability. On the back of the Final Fantasy X-102 HD remaster and Tomb Raider Definitive Edition, all of which Square Enix described as having favorable sales. I'm surprised they didn't include uh, Bravely Default in there. Um, (laughs) It might not have been considered a favorably selling game by their standards. Who knows? Likewise, Final Fantasy XIV A Realm Reborn is doing well for the company. So that's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all good. All all signs are pointing up for them. Um, It sounds like they've, A, figured out where their money is really going to come from and realize that they have to support kind of their core fans and start giving people what they what they want, which is role-playing games, um, like the ones they used to make, yeah, uh, exactly. with heart and soul and mm-hmm. with some depth and uh, complexity. So and sprites and sprites. <laughs> Number seven. So Sony originally posted on its promotional page for Watch Dogs that the game will run at 1080p and 60 frames per second. But they lied! No, it was Definitive (laughs) Edition! Why would you play anywhere else? However, that information has since been scrubbed from the site once it started making the rounds on the internet. Neither Ubisoft or Sony has responded to IGN's request for clarification. I'm going to say this real quick. Who the fuck cares? Thank you, that's what I I was going to say. I am so tired of this resolution shit, and like, here's what's important in a video game. Is it fun? Does it play well? Then who cares what it looks like? You know, like a game could run at 25 frames per second at 720 or whatever, or like, what, like I don't care, like what resolution it's at. You know, it could run at Wii resolution. Is it fun? Okay. Does it have NES graphics? That's nice. Is it fun? Yes. Good. Let's move on. Vince, do you have something to say? Maybe, or maybe, uh, maybe it would be something best said later when we discuss. Borderlands 2. Oh, Doctor. Fair enough. I'm just like, who, like the whole 1080 thing, it's like, I don't care. You know, like, I'm like, I just want to play fun games. I don't care. I don't care. Like, let's focus on mechanics and less on resolution. We're back to just, you know, all you have to do, the fact sheet face off of what it's going to be the better version. Well, this has got 1080 and Xbox doesn't. So clearly, this is the better version. The PlayStation 4 is better because that's trophies. Number eight. The Darksiders franchise isn't dead, according to creative director Joe Majurera. I think that's how you say it. Nordic Games, which, is a, which is a publisher, acquired the franchise from THQ during THQ's IP liquidation, along with Red Faction and MX versus ATV. But as Nordic Games isn't a developer, we'll need to find devs to work with. The series' old creative director's words seem to indicate that Nordic Games has plans for the franchise moving forward, though what those plans are remain to be seen. 
That's pretty cool. I'm really excited about that. I love uh, I love Darksiders. I interviewed Joe Mad uh, right leading up to the um, the release of Darksiders 2. Super passionate guy. Very yeah. cares very very much about this property. Has a big grand vision for it. He talked about some of the the ideas that he had initially for it and the scope of it and scale of it. I really hope that he gets to continue chiseling out that vision because if it's anything like what he described to me when we talked, I think it's something that that people will react to. Killed THQ, now it's going to kill another publisher. That's fine, as long as I get to play the games. I don't care. <laughs> as long as I get killed after it's released. <laughs> Number nine. According to Sony Computer Entertainment Europe's senior de- uh, designer, Jed Ashforth, DualShock 4's light bar was originally designed with Project Morpheus in mind. Project Morpheus is, of course, the PlayStation, PlayStation brand's recently revealed VR headset, which was first shown to the world a couple of months ago at GDC. Sony recently released a patch that allows the light bar to be dimmed, though there's no word on if and when we can shut it off. That's it. Number 10. Austin writes into beyond at IGN.com and says, Last generation, everyone's living rooms were filled with motion controllers and plastic instruments. This generation, the Wii U, is so far a total failure, and Microsoft just announced the debundling of Kinect for Xbox One. Why is this? Are hardware manufacturers going to stop trying to innovate with consoles? What does this say for Oculus slash Morpheus? Peripherals that will cost hundreds of dollars when they eventually release. I wish peripherals were dead. I remember when I remember getting the super scope, being like, "Here we go!" And then this thing sucks, and it works for two games, and hating them, and be like, "I'll never buy another yeah, peripheral." Yeah, that was a weird one. And then by the time we got to like Rock Band and Guitar Hero, you had all these peripherals, and it's like, "No, not again! We're going down this path." But they got you with those ones for a little while. Yeah, and then like we comes out, it's got its controller, and then it's got like the steering wheel for Mario Kart, and all. It's just like, ah, stop, stop, stop. Well, it's a fine line because some of those peripherals that you just named were designed and engineered very well to deliver an experience that was, like, mirrored in the software and they were married together very, like, cohesively. And then in some cases, like I would say, the Kinect, you know, you've got a piece of – you've got a gadget that they're like, hey, let's see if we can find a game to make for this gadget. You know, when you look at the Rock Band and Guitar Hero craze, that was a piece of hardware custom built for a piece of software meant to interface in a meaningful way. Right. Um, Connect is like, well, let's put out a big blanket, you know, net over this this problem of motion control and immersion and see what developers can come up with. And that's... Same thing can be said for PlayStation Move. Sure. Gen 1. Oh, sure, absolutely. Um, you know, and I think that's why, you know, Sony was smart to not go, like, balls to the wall all in on that on, on that basket of eggs. They should have sure. tried. For a short time, but I think once they figured out it wasn't going to work, they were just like, okay, well, it exists, but we're not going to make our whole platform based around it. Sure. Do you think this is the genera- the final generation of peripherals? No. You- They're going to be forever, right? Yeah, I think so. And I, I don't think peripherals are necessarily a bad thing. I think about the zapper on NES was was pretty cool. Like, it was only useful for a few games, but it was it was cool. And it wasn't, like, obtrusive, you know? Like, yeah. like you know, th- they had, you know, NES even had, like, the, the big, like joystick controller and stuff, they, they were cool, and they were. Uh, the point is that they were optional. When when they tried to include things like Rob in in the box, that's like when things kind of fell apart for them. Super Scope uh, was cool because I used to play with it outside and pretend it was a missile launcher. Sure, uh, but then like the Guitar Hero and Rock Band shit was like that was a, a craze for a little while, and you had to have them. I understand like they're like in a fucking landfill somewhere now, but. That was the way it goes. I think with these VR headsets, these are going to be boutique items that not everyone's going to buy. And as long as you don't shove them down people's throats, uh, then it's going to be fine. People that want them are going to buy them. Whether or not they're successful has nothing to do with them being peripheral. I mean, my question for them turns uh, Project Morpheus in particular, because that really is a peripheral, whereas Oculus is kind of a platform. For Morpheus, it feels 
similar to what would happen with PlayStation Move, where they're going to say, here's Project Morpheus, here's the launch of 10 games, and then it's going to be Morpheus doesn't sell all that well, it doesn't sell spectacularly, and nobody else wants to support it. Because, you know, we're talking about with Shu at GDC, right? Like, he sees the games on Morpheus being from the ground up just for Morpheus. Just like a good PlayStation Move should be, like Deadman's Quest or whatever. But that game didn't sell, game. there was no one there, and then people stopped making PlayStation Move games. Yeah, poor, so how much rope do they get to make awesome Morpheus games? Poor Zindigi. Making some, good, making some good games, and they, no one gives a shit. There's uh, a lot to prove for this Morpheus business. Yeah, I will disagree that Oculus is a platform and Morpheus is... Like, they they both need hardware to run. 100%. Uh, like, so, like, the PC is the hardware. You know, I think, it, I think the smartest thing is to just make games that use it if you want, but that don't force you to use it. I feel like there'll be a more... I guess vibrant market, and this is I'm saying, and I'm saying vibrant meaning you know, five five games to two games for Oculus versus Morpheus. Morpheus, you're trying to come to a group that is already a console PlayStation gamer that loves playing games with their controller and say, here's this new thing, a new way to play games, and that's that pitch sounds just like PlayStation Move. And unless you come out and you have all these awesome fucking experiences that people can't say no to, I don't understand the point. Yeah. The, um, where I'm going to disagree with you on that, I agree sure. it's a sales pitch. Yeah. I totally agree it's a sales pitch. The problem is that, I mean, I've, I've been a salesperson. I know the difference between selling something that sucks and selling something that actually represents sure. value to the, sure. to, the, to the end user. Um, I've always felt from the beginning that move, all that motion controlled stuff was – was salespeople trying to sell snake oil to people who didn't need them? It was selling, it was selling snowflakes to Eskimos. Like we didn't need those things to control our games. The way I've felt from the time that I've spent with Oculus, I haven't spent time with Morpheus, but just from spending time with Oculus, it's the first time that one of these peripherals has come out, and I've said, I don't think that a game that can use this that doesn't use it could possibly ever feel as good as a game that that does use it. Like if the game, if the genre it it exists in can support it, like for instance, Hawken, like a mech sure. combat game, then the Oculus doesn't get in the way or kind of obscure uh, control. It it adds layers of control, right? Um, and I don't. I think that once people get to experience it themselves, you're not going to have to sell them. They're going to just be ravenous for it. That's what I think. I think that's how good it is. I think that's the I think that's the case for Oculus. I think it's a different story for Morpheus. I haven't I tried th- Morpheus yet. I th- so I oh, I, but I mean, I'm not even talking about the quality of the product. I think that there's different audiences they're going for. Mm-hmm. I think the PC gamer who's so into their games is willing to put down it or back or do whatever with an Oculus. I think is a different person than the console gamer. I think that you're dealing with different install bases in different markets. It's possible, but I mean, it's all it's all about like, oh my god, what did I play at Jimmy's house? And I feel like a lot of kids. What did you play at Jimmy's house? Uh nothing. Spin the Jimmy bottle. hated me. <laughs> Jimmy didn't. Jimmy didn't like Jimmy me. Get out of here. <laughs> but I think I think a lot when a kid or even a, forget a kid, a young adult goes over to their friend's place and they're they're looking around a real world. They're gonna go, holy shit! I need I need this in my life. That's what I think. All right, we'll see. Number ten, some release dates. Diablo 3 Ultimate Evil Edition has released it on PS3 and PS4 as well as Xbox 360 and Xbox One. The game will launch on August 19th. World War One game Valiant Hearts The Great War, which I'm very excited about, also has released it on PS4, PS3, Xbox 360, Xbox One, and PC. It will launch on June 25th. Unfortunately, upcoming survival horror game Dying Light has been delayed. It will not no. launch until February 2015. Hmm. That game looks cool. It does look cool. It's from uh, Techland, right? Right. It's Mirror's Edge meets Dead Island. Yes, please. It's interesting. It's interesting uh, idea. Number eleven. Here are the new games that have been announced for PlayStation platforms Knob over the last week. Switch. 
Let's Atmospheric go. puzzle game Never Alone has been revealed for PS4 as well as Xbox One and PC. Bizarre first-person shooter Vision Neck has been announced for PlayStation 4. Atelier Rorona Plus, which Vince will be reviewing, has been revealed for PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Vita and has been given a late June release date. Nope. Old-school shooter R-Type Dimensions, which looks awesome, has been announced for PlayStation 3 and has been given a, re- has been given a release date of May 20th in North America and May 21st in Europe. CD Brawler, putting it lightly... Senran Kagura Shinobi Versus will migrate from Japan to the West on PlayStation Vita. And six new Japanese PS1 classics are coming soon to PSN. They are Sarara's Little Shop, Dragon Beat Legend of Pinball, Neo Planet, Heroin Dream. I like how you say each one and then look at me. Did you just say, did you just say Heroin Dream? I'm yeah, Heroin Dream. Heroin over here. Dream 2 and Tokyo 23 Kusufuku Wars. Good pronunciations. Thank you. Colin's a pro. I've been to Japan once, so. You picked it all up? Yeah. I like basically, riding a bike. basically speak it. Basically speak the language. Wow. That's impressive. You said heroin dream, and the first thing I thought of was tourniquets, not like a, like a female hero. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's <laughs> not what they meant. No. Yeah. Maybe they did. I don't Maybe know. That'd be did. awesome if it was heroin dream. Vince, all those games sound great. <laughs> they sound spectacular. You and I are going to play the fuck out of all of those. But they're not out yet. No, sadly. So if I wanted to know what was in stores now, where would I go? You would go... To the PlayStation Store? No, you go to the the Andrew Goldfarb Memorial upcoming list of all PlayStation software on all three platforms by the IGN editors. It's close. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that was the first time I, I totally screwed it up. Yeah, you, you fucked it up. This fucked is a, it up bad. This, is a, this is a really barren week. No PlayStation Four games. That's the first time in one tumbleweed. Just that's the first time in <laughs> a long time there hasn't been a PS Four game. Um, so we can let it go. There's let other go. things to play. Plus, I have transistor. Let it go. On PS3, The Walking Dead Season 2, Episode 3, In Harm's Way launches today. And on PlayStation Vita, Borderlands 2 comes out for everyone. You had it last week if you bought the bundle. And Soul Sacrifice Delta also comes out today. Please look forward to it. Please look forward to Soul Sacrifice. <laughs> uh, no word in the post if the In Harm's Way comes out to Vita at the same time, right? No, it's not. That was to such Vita. a disaster getting those first two episodes to Vita. I can't imagine. It's, yeah, in the documents, it does not say Vita. Mm, no surprise there. But Borderlands 2 is out. Borderlands 2 is out for Vita, is it not? Vince, you reviewed it. I sure did. And everyone on the internet hates you now. Hates for me it. now, which is fine. They all hated Welcome me before to the anyway. Club. Yeah! I know that feeling. Woo! You review a game, you give your opinion, everybody Woo! wants you to die. So yep. that's cool. It's all right. Um, no, you reviewed Borderlands. I did. On Vita. Gave it a 5.4? Yes, that's, that's correct. That's what it was? That, is, that is the number. Metacritic currently sitting at a 6.1 at, if you're wondering at home. Correct. Not many people have reviewed it, though. That's that's right. It's only four. Uh, at last I checked, it was only four reviews. It was uh, us. It was Jim over um, at the, the Escapist. Yeah. Um, one other site that I forgot the name of, and then PlayStation Lifestyle gave it like a 95. Okay. So... In a nutshell, mm-hmm. pros and cons. Let, let me hear. Sure. I mean, the biggest pro is that it's Borderlands fucking two. And sure. Borderlands two is just a great game. Right. Um, I've been like that was that was an Anthony Gallegos review joint uh, back in the back in the day, and then I I was freelancing at the time, and I did all of the DLC reviews. Um, I love Borderlands two. Yeah. Really excited about the pre sequel, even though the name is dumb. Uh, so yeah, anything that's good about Borderlands 2 Vita is because Borderlands 2 is just uh, an incredibly fun, addictive game that's had legs for two years now. Um, as far as the cons go, well, I mean, you said it's all – we were talking about frame rates before, right? Frame rates and visuals and all that stuff and how, you know, does it matter? I just wanted the game to be fun. At the end of the day, frame rate and fun can be very uh, directly linked. Uh, yes. Yeah, so in a – 
particularly when frame rates aren't consistent, uh, when performance is getting in the way of playability, and especially this is the case with first-person shooters. I mean, it's a precision genre. So you can't really enjoy or get into the rhythm of a first-person shooter when you've got random hitches in the frame rate, when it's already low to begin with. I mean, Borderlands 3, you know, at least to my eye, Borderlands 2, rather, Vita, to my eye, runs well south of 30, if I were to guess... I mean, I've never put it up to fraps or anything, but it looks in the twenty, low twenty range. I played through today. Or yeah. the, I, we'll get to my complaints in here in a second. Sure. But uh, yeah, I played through the opening of it today on the train or whatever, and yeah, definitely yeah. it was sub thirty. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely sub thirty, and it gets and it can get worse, and it does get worse when things start uh, when things start getting busy. So it's like you marry that with the fact that there's realities of the Vita hardware. It only has so many buttons. They have to map things in crazy ways. And one of those things requires putting melee and sprinting on the rear touch screen. And, you know, I, I, this isn't just me. I handed it to other people through who were excited. There were so many people in this office excited about Borderlands 2 for Vita. And they were like, Vince, I want to try it. I want to see what it's like. I'm like, okay, well just brace yourself. But I handed them the Vita, didn't tell them anything about it. And they were like, how come this doesn't work? How come half the time when I press for melee, it doesn't come out? Yeah. Or when I'm trying to sprint, it just doesn't come out. I mean, like you just tap it three, four times in a row, and it might come out once or twice. It's very finicky where you have to hit it. I understand they didn't want to be a situation where people are accidentally activating stuff, because that's been a problem with rear, rear touch controls sure. in the past. But, I mean, they went too far the other way, where I feel like they made a very specific part of that rear touchpad um, activatable, and the result is that half the time, I just can't do what I want to do. I mean, you can remap the controls, but no matter which way you slice it two functions are going to be dodgy at best Mm -hmm. and you combine that with the performance problems and it's just as much as i love and i deeply love borderlands as much as i love it it's it's almost impossible to enjoy even a great game when you can barely control it or track what's going on sure just let's go to a listener right now andrew writes in andrew says beyond Beyond. Beyond. I bought a Borderlands 2 Vita bundle last week. I've enjoyed it, but it's easily the worst version of Borderlands 2. There are parts of Vince's reviews that I agree with, but others I feel were a bit harsh. Mm -hmm. He's got more experience with it than I do, but a 5.4 seems a little low. It's his opinion, he can think whatever he wants, and it's nice to see people explore the scale. Sure. I wanted to put that out there because I think people are with you. Not if, this is the whole thing, the problem with being a reviewer, right? (laughs) We feel like everybody's against us. People are with you on it, you know what I mean? And it falls back to the whole thing of... uh, for me, it's always that talking about you know like what's the what's what's the reviewer's job and what, how many concessions do you make here or right. there right and people were very much like well clearly it's not as good as the PS3 version it's running the Vita but that should be <laughs> held against it and it's like well it kind of needs to be right like sure. that's the point that they're trying to make that it's not the same game and it's not doing this it's not yeah. doing that um, here's where I got my 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 number one complaint with this is that they didn't have the cross save up and running yet I got a code yesterday for it. Woke up this morning, started downloading um, patches on both versions yep. of the game patches so I could play patches. it. Got there, and then like I turned on the Vita version. It's like, all right, cool. You download your save. And I click it, and it's like, oh, there's no save upload. And I went to the Borderlands 2 PS3, and there's nowhere to upload it. So I quit out and uploaded it to the cloud. Then I came back in. I still couldn't find it. I jumped out. I then started searching around, and there's all these threads about, yeah, the, that functionality is not working yet. It's getting patched in hopefully today. Yeah, no, it's supposed to be like a day one. That was supposed to be a day one patch uh, deal. And I mean, and maybe this is shame on maybe this is shame on me. Like I, I mentioned that the the feature is there. Yeah. Um, I chose to not hold it against the game that the feature isn't wasn't there when I was reviewing oh, sure. it. Well, I understood. You're, you're I, I understood it was going to be in the day. I was told anyway that it was going to be in the day one in the day one update. So right. I I chose not to take anything away from it for well, that. Yeah, I'm not knocking you for it. Yeah. My my complaint is the fact that I've put 
30 hours into Borderlands 2. And the reason I'm excited for Borderlands Vita is now getting to go do all the side missions I didn't do and all the DLC I didn't explore and see what it's like. You know what I mean? Sure. And suddenly today I can't even do that. Right. So I have to start as a siren and I'm running through and I'm playing it. And my thing is like for the first, you know, that 15 minutes I get to play on the train or whatever, maybe more like 20. I, I can't get to the point. Like, I want to talk to you about, so you're, when more things are happening, it's going to run way worse. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Because, like, today I'm playing and I'm like, I could, I could play this. I can play through this. This isn't, you know, I mean, like, unplayable. Right. But you're, it's going to get that way. Is that what I'm Sure. And, and here's the other thing, too, that's – so you talked about that. The, the, re, the reader that wrote in, I think that's a great – his points are, are very valid. And, you know, it comes down to personal preferences. How, how hard do you dock things? Yeah. For me, and this has been a historical thing with me all throughout my, all throughout my time as a gamer, and certainly that's reflected in the scores that I've given to games when I review them. Frame rate and performance is just a huge, massive deal to me. It is mm-hmm. a deal breaker. Like a game that does not have a consistent frame rate, that does not consistently stay up near or at thirty, is just I'm going I'm going to hammer it. I don't care what platform it's on. I don't care how weak you're saying the hardware supposedly is. I'm going to slam it. Like to me 30 is the minimum space at which the game the game's technical uh specs are not interfering with with my ability to play it in a fluid fashion. Sure. Um and to me when you look at what the Vita is capable of, so I, I pointed some people to this. If you look on YouTube, you uh, you look for Killzone Mercenary Frame Rate, and what will come up is a bunch of Digital Foundry videos uh, where they show that they have uh, – I don't know if it's actually Fraps. It's some program they've, they've got running to show the frame rate sure. as things are going, and that game looks – Two to three times as good as Borderlands 2 on Vita does. And it is at 30. At rest, it's at 30. In combat, it stays almost completely at 30. Drops at one point in one of the videos I saw, it dropped for a split second to 20. Mm. For, but for the most part, the lowest it got was like 25. It held on to 28 or 30 almost the entire time. That is what this hardware is capable of. I understand people don't want game to be judged against its console counterparts but i wasn't even judging the performance problems based on console counterparts i was judging it based on what i've seen the vita can do vita contemporary is another first person yeah another first person shooter with highly detailed look if you would say that borderlands 2 on vita is console quality i mean then then killzone mercenary is more is absolutely up to that mark and the way it runs is night and day hands down more consistent and and more smooth than than what borderlands 2 offers so i i think that you have to compare it to other things on the on the platform and when you do borderlands 2's performance just doesn't add up i i I think per your complaints about the performance they're apt in the sense that if they affect gameplay Mm -hmm. then that is the problem but what i'm trying to say is that people will look at something and be like look at the resolution look at the frame rate you know like it sucks. It's garbage. It's not running at 60. It's not all this. And my whole argument is like, there are games that run sub 30 that are good, you know, and like that can be played and are playable. Maybe they're puzzle they're games or maybe they're shitty, like, you know, like, and if like, they're consistent, right. yeah. If they stay like, yeah, 25, but yeah. it's locked, sure. Yeah, like, like, exactly. So I'm just saying, like, yeah, like, resolution is, is, impo- is important to some people. That's fine. It's really not important to me. Frame rate is more important to me, but in the sense that it affects gameplay, not in a vacuum. And that's, like, what I'm kind of trying to say. Not, you know? not a, like what you're talking about with Watch Dogs. Not just right. a, a bullet point on the fact sheet. Yeah, that like, if, if, it's, if, it's lo- if, if Watch Dogs is locked at 30, like, who cares if it's good? You know what I mean? Like, that's all I care about. Like, is, is it being at 60 going to make it much, much better? 
I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. You know, like that's all I'm trying to say is like people have these like resolu- this resolution warfare and this frame rate warfare without really asking ourselves the question like does it really ad- super adversely affect the gameplay? And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. And that's like all I'm trying to say is like let's look at the mechanics of a game. Let's look at the gameplay of a game. That's what's most important to me um, as opposed to, you know, you know, these things that that might or might not affect it that are more technical than you know, real. You know what I mean? And that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. And I think, I, I frankly think a lot of people do feel that way, but they're not loud. You know? Well, and, yeah, there's the vocal minority we are talking about. I, I, I totally respect what you're saying. I'm also going to poke or attempt to poke two holes in that. Um, first thing is that I can say that I certainly feel, and I think there's a large, a large number of people who feel that particularly for shooters and fighting games, or any three, any anything where you have to shoot, not just first person. Anything where you have to shoot, you need some kind of precision. Sixty frames per second offers a superior play experience, not just the way it looks, but there's a, a finer degree of responsiveness and control. This is why Call of Duty is so. One of the reasons why Call of Duty is so popular. It's because even, even more. I don't want to say that Call of Duty players are casual players because they're very hardcore Call of Duty players, and it's competitive. It's played competitively. But this is why one of the reasons Call of Duty has such a broad appeal, and why people love the way it plays and loves the way love the way it feels. Because at sixty frames per second, shooting and anything precision based feels like a dream. And like once you've tasted that and had that, you don't want anything less than that, you know, because you you want that feeling of fluidity and precision in the in your play experience, not just the way it looks, in your play experience all the time. Um, the other thing I was going to say, which is a little bit more up for debate, I think, is that you you I know you're saying that resolution doesn't really matter to you. At the same time, if I recall correctly, you and I have had conversations where you're saying where you were saying that you wanted to see if you can buy another uh, launch Vita because you don't you don't want to lose that OLED screen. Yeah, but and, the, 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 I like the screen. I like the. Sure. I, like, I more like the. That's true, and that's a good point. Not necessarily. You know, I'm not post. saying you're a hypocrite. I'm not huh? saying you're a hypocrite. Whole yeah, I'm not saying you're a hypocrite. No, no, I'm saying, what I'm saying poked. is, I think you. I think you and other people do care about how sharp the picture is. Well, I, I care about that. I'm more. I like the OLED screen. I'm more concerned with the way the new Vita feels than. Uh, the, yeah, than that the, too. Than I totally the, agree. The way I feel you're like I, can, I feel like I can break it in half. I was having no uh, trouble. No, I wasn't having no trouble, but I wasn't accidentally touching the touch screen today on my, you know, Japanese Vita, which is the slim Vita, because of those nice giant dividends in the back. Yeah, I want. I want to. I think I probably missed the boat on getting my. OLED Vita, I think they're probably... Yeah, yeah I tried to get one, same kind of Me too. Um, but, yeah, that was... that's a, OLED is a consideration. Bigger consideration for me was the way that the, it felt. And when I first played at Tokyo, I was not impressed. I felt like I could just fucking break it. Right. Um, which I don't like the feeling of. But, yeah, I'm not saying that people are wrong or that, like, you know, fights about resolution are always uncalled for or that, you know, frame rate especially can affect gameplay. That's absolutely true. All I'm saying is that we often look at the numbers on a sheet and then judge the game. And I think it has to go the other way around. you got to, like, judge mm-hmm. the game and then say, you know, instead of saying it runs at this, you know, resolution and this frame rate. Therefore, the game is this. What I would want people to say <laughs> is the game is this. Is this the reason? Right. You sure. know what I mean? And, like, we often don't get that argument because it's nuanced and, it, and it's it's too big for Twitter or a comment <laughs> on, an, on an IGN article. Right. You know? So that's all no, I'm saying. Ain't nobody got time for nuance in the 21st century. No, 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 no definitely not. So that's all I'm saying. Like, I just I, – I hate these – our battles because I want people to get this passionate about mechanics and – 
gameplay sure. or our story. government yeah or real things that matter <laughs> but more but, but but more yeah but like you know what i mean like i want people to have these passionate things about character development these passionate conversations about why is this mechanic better than this mechanic well you don't hear that a lot you often like like on the base level you just hear people complaining about 1080 and like Stats, yeah. 60 frames like who gives a shit you know like let, let's talk about the mechanics and let's talk about the game you know the game and and that's and that's like what I want more of from people because I feel like it's lowest common denominator shit at, the, at this point. Like let's let's move past it and see if we can start getting into the meat. You know? I I totally the agree meat. with you. I I don't think we talk about not just us like personally. I think that that mechanics and what makes a mechanic rewarding and uh, and what makes a mechanic well designed uh, to where it positively reinforces certain like behaviors from the player. Like we don't. People don't talk about those things, and that, those are things that don't require uh, technology necessarily to advance. They just require good engineering and good design, you know, study. And you're right. I think we don't talk about those things enough. I guess the the reason why so many people react so strongly to the resolution side of things and to the frame rate side of things, aside from kind of like you know bipartisan console, you know, fanboy politics. Aside from that, I say this all the time to people. The term video game is two words. It's video and it's game. And, yeah, the game has to play great. But there's this whole video element. You know, to me, ignoring the importance and the impact of of visual quality, to me, is just as – it's just as out there as saying that the way a piece of art looks isn't important. Right. But but, but to me – it goes back to, like, I reviewed Titan Attacks recently, right? This is a yeah. Space Invaders clone. This is, Space Invaders came out in 1978. It's very, really one of the classic games of all time. Mm-hmm. If you've never played it, you really need to go find an arcade machine and play it. But, <laughs> well, now you can just play Titan Attacks. But, yeah. So, Titan Attacks is a very basic game. It's, it's it um, narrows the field. It's really in, like, 4-3. And, like, it, it like it's just this, this very basic game, right? And someone in the comments was like, this game, like, this game looks like shit. <laughs> you know? And, like, that's the kind of, like, who cares what it looks like? You know, like, have you played it? It's fun. It's very addictive. It's all about leaderboards and high score chasing, mm-hmm. just like Resogun was, but Resogun's actually really pretty. Um, and that's the kind of thing I'm trying to, like, fight against because, like, when people say, like, look at Mega Man, look how bad it looks. I'm still waiting for someone to find a game that plays better than Mega Man to me because, like, I, I, I've never played that game, you know? So, like, I don't care. Mega Man 3 runs extraordinarily well except for all the slowdown everywhere. Right. But you actually get, <laughs> but you actually get used to it and actually use it to your advantage when you learn the game. But, you know... Mega Man 3 to me is the quintessential, the quintessential gameplay experience. Besides and, Mega Man 2. And it, Mega Man, well, they play the, they play the same as Mega Man 3 is a better game. But, you know, like, that's an 8-bit NES game, you know? Yeah. Like, that could not stack up to anything, technically, that's being made today. But I like to focus on the mechanics, and man, Mega Man is just that pure fucking shit right there. You know what I mean? Like, like it does, I don't care how pretty... You know, I like Call of Duty. I play the campaign every year, right? Like, and those games are fun, and I enjoy the campaign. I don't play online. I just play the campaign. I really like it, and they're fun, and they're and they they really do have shooting down. But man, like, I still go back to some of those old NES games, and I'm like, these are the games that really play well. Are the old arcade games like Space Invaders or Arkanoid sure. or Miss Pac-Man, like these old ideas that are better than the new ideas, you know? And Punch Out is my big example from it, that era. I, I Punch Out to me consistently. I go back. Why did no one else mine this this idea these ideas except for Infinity Blade and Shadow of the Colossus are the only two modern games I can think of that mine those ideas. Yeah, and that's that's a great example. Like, so some of these old ideas, I just don't want people like I feel like a new generation of people are coming up that are 
fixated on the technical and not fixated on the gameplay. And and I just want to try to nip that in the bud whenever I can because if you if you focus on only these games and you look at an NES game and you're like ah like this is ugly and terrible looking, it's like well you miss you you lose you know because like there's just a, a Kid Icarus or Zelda or Faxanadu, or like all you know Dragon Quest and all these amazing games like you would never play them because they're fucking terrible looking you know and like that's the only thing that I'm saying you know I mean this argument isn't anything new though right it's always that thing jumping from NES to Super NES right or Super NES to N64 the oh my god the graphics and uh-huh. it's cuz it's the easiest thing to wrap your head around when you're looking at a page sure when you're not playing a game all you can do is judge it off of that which that's gets true. to be a complicated issue now I will see the point to, to to Vince in a couple of ways one is that when I came out here I never had an HGTV nor did I know anyone that had an HGTV in college because we were all poor yeah, right so when i came here i like started using my hdtv at, at my desk or whatever and i'm like wow this is really <laughs> yeah it's not like all squished anymore and like it's like there's like resolution and like you can like, beautiful colors and vibrancy and then when i went home and finally got my own hdtv and i started watching football and hockey on i'm like holy shit yeah. <laughs> you know? and, then, and then it would really pop when i'd go to other people's houses at that time because hdtv still didn't proliferate really in 2007 right. 2008 and they would still have it in their box tvs and stuff like that i'm like oh my you don't God, know you're missing what yeah, the yeah. fuck you know what i mean so i like i totally understand that that argument because like that popped in me because i was like i didn't know what i was missing so that's one point the second point is that resolution does matter to me in the sense that when i play my 3ds i'm like my god you know, like, I, I, there's some great games on there that I play. Fire Emblem I, I spend some time with and Mario Golf we're playing right now. When I play the Mario games that come out or whatever. Um, you know, when I played Zelda over Christmas break, I was like, these are fun games, but holy shit. You know, like, <laughs> like I, I'm like, wow. Like, I, See, I for can't, me, I can't, I can't game, look at, like, See, I, I, that's you know, where I fall into noticeable. your gameplay side. Well, yeah, it's noticeable. Where I'm like, oh, this doesn't look amazing, but, like, I get so lost in the gameplay, I don't care. I'm like, just, with I'm, my 80 hours of Mario Golf or my, you know, 20 with right. Zelda, you know what I mean? I had no, once... You're through that initial thing of like, okay, whatever. Like, oh, is, yeah, this would have looked better on Vita or on the Wii U or anything. You know what I mean? Then you're like, oh, whatever. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, I played Zelda. I enjoyed it. it. Didn't stop me from playing all the yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Fire Emblem or all these things. But when you look at it, you're like, uh, so I agree with you. Like, these things do matter in a, in a current contemporary sense. And that I played 3DS after playing a bunch of Vita. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, here we are. And, and but what you know what that tells me? Because the 3DS is outselling Vita like 10 to 1. Is that doesn't matter? Maybe it doesn't matter to a lot of people, you know. And maybe we just have to keep that in context. Yeah, you know. So sure. So um, that's it. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. And the through line that I try to draw through all of this is that what it really comes down to. It's not that 3D graphics are better than 2D graphics. It's not that a 30 frames per second game can't be as good as a 60 frames per second game, or that a game running in 1080p is always going to be better than a game running at 720p, right? The real thing is when technical limitations are are interfering with and marring not just the player's experience gameplay wise, but I would say that beyond that, beyond, when the beyond. Beyond, when the technical aspects of a of a platform are getting in the way of the of the creator's vision, I don't like. For instance, the way that, like you said, with these with these 3ds games, I don't think the artists envisioned their games looking blurry like that. Like that's not how they envisioned them. They envisioned them looking sharp and crisp and beautiful, but they're working with what they have. And that's why I like the Wii U in terms of the way it looks because trying to play a game on the Wii, like you said, because it was all standard definition stuff on the Wii, I was like, I'm not looking at what the creator intended. I'm looking at what they wanted to make filtered through these other limitations of technology. And then when I look at, say, Mario Kart 8 running, I'm just like, 
because now I'm seeing all that wide-eyed imagination that Nintendo can bring, but I'm I'm it's like putting on a new pair of glasses and actually seeing it the way it's meant to be seen. And I feel like when technical issues get in the way of communicating what the creators want to communicate, that's frustrating for me. And that's and maybe for some people it's not as frustrating and I'll admit that. But for me it's it it makes me want to like throw something. <laughs> One other point I want to bring up by May about Borderlands, which I think is interesting, is that they showed me the game, as you guys know, and I think they showed me very selective parts of the games that didn't have really a lot of enemies and all these kinds of things. The game ran, you know, I, like we always say, I don't have one of those savant 29.5 frames. You said before, you can't see it. Yeah, like 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 Carmack or something, yeah. where he's like, oh, I can't ship this because it's running at 59.8 frames a second. It's like, oh, okay. Um, but I can tell, you know, like, you know, bad frame rate, really bad frame rate, okay frame rate, good sure. frame rate, great frame rate. And... You know, like I think most people can. I'm not one of those guys like, this is 28 frames a second. You know? I need one of those, like you said, one of those like, right. indicators. The old Craig Harris eye. Right, or Craig Harris, yeah. Craig Harris's eye would be very good. Um, and the game was running, they claim, between 28 and 32 frames a second. And that, that seemed to pass the test for me, except for some dips I saw with lots of enemies on the screen, like you said. But I also wonder if Borderlands isn't running well because we talk about Killzone or we talk even about Uncharted, mm-hmm. and I still say Uncharted is the prettiest and best and best running game, console quality game on the system, which is a launch game. We'll probably never get anything better than that in that regard. Borderlands is open world, and I wonder if you know that is part of the limitation too. Killzone, you're on a map, you're on a part of a map, right? And so this gives you they close everything around it, and then you know, and then they you know turn on the AI and the hell gas come out. With Uncharted, it's even more linear and more corridor-driven. Sure. I wonder if there was just some hitch with Borderlands 2 where it's like they turned shit off in the background. They got, you know, when there would be 12 enemies on PS3, there are nine enemies on Vita. You know, they got rid of the ragdolling. They did all of this shit to, like, make the game run better. And I wonder if, you know, knowing some of the guys, we know some of the guys that worked on it mm-hmm. that are really smart dudes at Sony. Yeah. I'm wondering if it's just the open world nature of the game, which is like it can't Vita just can't do it, you know? Like, and and I like there's just too much shit, you know? Because yeah. Vita doesn't know if you're on a map, if you're on like a map and you're fighting some dudes, you're not just gonna fucking run away and go into like some crazy direction right, right. to the other side of the map, like, and it has to have it loaded, or at least it has to have the algorithm to know that if you turn around and start running, then it better load it quick, you know? And so I wonder if that is part of the the technical issue why the game just so much wasn't going running well. It's, you know? it certainly is, and like not to, I mean, I'm not trying to derail us completely here, but that that brings We're a conversational podcast. <laughs> that brings me to a bigger question, which is: should you make should developers make decisions about whether or not they should port something to a platform? Like, at what point does it does a developer or a publisher go, look, this would require too many compromises? And maybe this is just not the best thing to do. And I mean, I guess the answer is in the numbers, right? I guess there's tons of people out there right now who are skewering me and saying they're having a great time with Borderlands 2 Vita, which is great. I'm happy people are in, are enjoying what they paid for. That's that's all I want to see is people having a good time. Um, but maybe they said to themselves, look, some people will call it out and other people won't. And enough people won't that we'll make back our money. I mean, at what point do you – beyond just economics, yeah. at what point do you say maybe this is something that's not really suited for this platform? Yeah, I, I think that they – my take on it is that they realized that it wasn't going to work too late, like in, in the way that they wanted it to. Like mm. they very unwisely announced that bundle, you know, which gave Iron Galaxy a hard end date. 
you know, maybe right. they could have massaged it for six more months. Maybe that would have been the wiser decision to, d- to do that. Release it around when Borderlands pre-sequel comes out. That like, you know, oh, Borderlands 2 is also on Vita if you want to play. And maybe it runs a little bit better. Maybe the frame rate's a little bit better. All these kinds of things. And they just, I think it was a victim of bad timing. I think it was a victim of, you know, listening to your fans and listening to what people want. But not gauging that against the realism. Like, I want Fallout 3 on Vita. Fallout 3 yeah! was never yeah. run on Vita. Never. <laughs> Yeah. You know, if Borderlands 2 couldn't run on Vita, there's no way, because that is an open world. Yeah, right. Yeah. And like, and you can run from one end of that map to the other with no loading, you know, and, and that's a huge map. So it's not like Borderlands with territories and things like that. Sure. So I just wonder, I think it was educational. I think Borderlands 2 is educational mm-hmm. in the sense that it's just going to show companies that like some of these games just aren't going to work. And that sucks because, man, wouldn't it be awesome to have New Vegas, you know? Funny you say that. We have two reader questions, both driving at the same topic, but from different parts of the spectrum. Taylor writes in and says, Beyond. 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 God, it's like your first podcast, you two. He says, I picked up we the Vita Slim Borderlands 2 bundle last weekend. I'm loving the experience so far. My question is, if Borderlands turns out to be a successful experiment for Sony, what other big titles do you think would have a shot to make their way to the Vita? Meanwhile, Charlie Gadsden writes in and says, Beyond. 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 It's no secret that there are many developers with their eye on how well Borderlands Vita does. After IGN has posted its mediocre score of the game and word of mouth spreads about its mediocrity, it's only natural to ask, is Borderlands Vita the last AAA game on Sony's handheld? Well, I think we've uh, we've already seen a little bit of... Um, help me out here a little bit, Colin. We saw a story this... Uh, we had a story out this week about... Um, Someone at Sony discussing that the economics of AAA just don't work. This was I thought it was somebody from Xbox, wasn't it? Spencer said something to this effect earlier this week too that there was no economy for AAA games on Vita. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's what the what it was. I'm blanking on on where the story came out of or, or who I'm it was. Not sure I saw that. Yeah, no, I definitely read it somewhere this week. I'm so prepared, guys. Sorry. Um, I think I just nailed it for you. So don't worry. Uh, <laughs> I'll double check that while you talk. Cool. Um, and I feel like this is a great – like I've felt from the beginning that is great – I've often said that Uncharted Golden Abyss was the worst thing that could have happened to the Vita. And not because the game wasn't amazing because it was. But it right out of the gate, it made it seem like the expectation of at-home console quality gaming on the go was something viable. And I've never believed that it was. Not necessarily always from an economic standpoint, but from a design standpoint – the the idea of what you want to do when you're in a game portably when you're sitting on a train or standing in line or when you're even even when you're on a plane for me is just fundamentally different than what how you design a game for when I sit down on my couch and I'm going to play for four or five six hours straight. You were correct, Don Mesa. Quote: The economics oh, simply don't work with the traditional process. Good AAA. I'm sorry. I'll read the whole thing. Process SEAs, uh, product planning, and platform software innovation director Don Mesa said <laughs> in a response to a fan asking for more quote good AAA games on Vita along lines of Killzone and Golden Abyss quote we have to do something different to get AAA games on Vita. We accomplish it to a certain degree by making PS4 games work on the Vita via remote play. PS Now will be another way streaming PlayStation 3 games on the Vita. Yeah. Yeah, and. To me, that's just where the – I do believe that Borderlands 2 will be the beginning. Like you said, it's a learning experience. And for me, I feel like the lesson is not that you can't – not that the Vita is underpowered, not that the Vita can't do certain things. 
The question isn't whether or not it can do it. It's whether or not it should do it. Does it make business sense? And does it result in greater games? Going back to your point again before about graphics don't necessarily make a game play better or you know more technically sound or more technically impressive games don't make a game better. The highest review I've given out, uh, well, the second highest review now that I've given out all the time I've been writing reviews for IGN was for was for Stealth Inc. Yeah, yeah, it was for Stealth Inc., which is a a two D side scrolling platform puzzler with that's technically very basic, but artistically very recognizable and uh, and interesting um, in terms of the way the art design works. Uh, and to me, that's what I want to see more of on the Vita. I, when people look at I had this same conversation with several people in the audience and in the uh, in the office, and it was very sad. Hey, how's Borderlands Two on Vita? I'm like, eh, it's not that great. Here, try it for yourself. What do you see? What you think? And then like, well, there goes all my hope for the Vita. I guess I'm never gonna have any games on this thing. And I'm like, oh. there's I'm so like, many games. There's on so many games on this system. There's so many good small scale, you know, indie and not just non indie, just smaller scale games that are designed from the ground up to be portable experiences. And that's what I want on a portable system. I don't need, you know, a triple A twenty hour adventure. This goes back, I think, to a couple things. And it's a, again a little bit marketing is salesmanship, right? The Vita was pitched as a console in your pocket. It's the console experience you finally mm-hmm. get your two sticks and that's what people got hung up on. Mm-hmm. And it's similar to the PlayStation Move thing, but it's weird because the PlayStation Move, right, is great when it's a game built from the ground up for it. Mm-hmm. Vita games are great when they're built from the ground up for it but the problem is the games that are great on vita aren't the games you were pitched originally they aren't the console experience for the most part right yeah there's a few but not sure not many and I, I think so to answer one of the guys questions which was like is, is this the last triple a game we're gonna get on vita absolutely not like first party will release more games freedom wars is a huge game and that's gonna come out later this year from sony japan and Gravity Rush 2 is going to come out eventually, too. And those are, that's another AAA game. Um, and I think there'll be more. I think there's going to be more third-party AAA games. I think I think you could see... And this is just... This is not... I don't know anything. I'm just saying... Don't turn this into an article. Yeah, like... <laughs> I think you could... I think it's there's potentially you can see a Batman game. Or, like, not the one we got, like, on Vita, but, like, a, you know, Arkham or Origins or something like that. You can... A game like that could probably run on Vita. Um, no way. I think you could... You don't think that game could run on, on, a, on Vita? Arkham Origins? Uh, Ar- oh, I'm sorry. Arkham... Uh, yeah, the third, the third game, Arkham, the, the one that came out last year. A giant open world Batman game? That's not a huge open world. It's bigger than Batman Arkham City was. Yeah, but that's not, that's not, that's not. I don't think like Borderlands two ish. Real quick while we're here, this one goes to TJ. TJ wrote and said, "Just wanted to share a couple of screenshots from my PlayStation Four trophy list. Batman Arkham Origins, not Blackgate, is shown with a shared trophy list for Vita and PS3. Any chance this could be ported to Vita, or is it just an error? That's probably an error. I reached out to WB. I think it's just an error. They haven't responded yet. Um, yeah, I think people have. That's been there for a while. But I, yeah. I think, in other words, I think that there's some companies that are looking at what's going on on Vita and seeing some success with some of their with their products. Like the Lego games keep coming to Vita, they wouldn't mm-hmm. do that if that you know if that wasn't the case. Atelier games keep coming to Vita, they wouldn't keep releasing those. If, yeah. You know, so there's some success with some of these more mid-tier and some higher-tier games. Um, but I agree. I think I think the system will be mostly relegated to indies and yeah. JRPGs and all these kinds of things, which is fantastic to me because indie is not a bad word to me, like it is to other people for whatever yeah. reason. And um, but I do agree that. It also is about the time and money that a company has or a developer has and the talent at that developer. And Iron Galaxy is a good developer, but they are not Sony Bend and they are not Gorilla. You know, and like those those were first party studios with lots of knowledge and know how with the Vita and time to make their games. So when they ported Killzone 3's engine to Vita, um, that was 
that looked really good and it played really well. You know, when and when when they basically made Drake's fortune play on Vita, that worked really well and it looked really good. So, like I, Don Mesa said, the economics don't work. So like, I, that, and that's where it gets tricky, right? Yeah. I disagree with you. I don't think you'll see more AAA games from third-party developers. I think this probably is the last gasp. I think that it'll act as a warning sign of not to do this. That you like, you're, should we do this, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we say should we do it, then we get to this weird spot of is I like. What is a triple? What are we going to define as a triple A thing? If it's a, if it's an Assassin's Creed card game, you know what I mean. Like if it's not the experience you expect, right? If it's something different, does that still count? Like brands, I, I just think third parties are going to stay the hell away from it for a long time. I don't know. I think I think it's my personal gut instinct is that it's too late. That I think that there are multiple third party there's probably big some games in the pipeline. Probably already. some in the pipeline. You're right. Um, and that you know they certainly talk like there is. Yeah. And um, I don't know what those games could be, and I don't know what those games are, but Marvel Madness. <laughs> Maybe one of them hits. I still say that you know. Totally possible. I still say I still say what I said a few weeks ago, which is that putting Borderlands Two in this position as the definitive like experience that this was going to be like the proof in the you know in the pudding was a mistake, and they shouldn't have done it. If they just released Borderlands Two as a game and it wasn't very good, that was different. Bundling it with with the Slim was a bad idea, and like. Well, see, that's the you weird know, like, thing about it. When I go back to Taylor's question, it, like Taylor was the first question, right? Do you, what other could this be? Like more big console games coming. It, a lot of people are buying this bundle. You know what I mean? Yep. And if they see the numbers on that and the fan response is mainly, hey, this wasn't bad. We, we're fine with it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, review scores don't mean shit to anybody if the game sells through the roof, right? right that's we true. got another naughty bear. Jesus God. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, we got a second naughty bear. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I, re- I reviewed it. That was a game with frame rate problems. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. That was a game that the frame rate affected the gameplay. Yeah. So, yeah. Just like in Borderlands 2 for Vita. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, all right. Fair enough. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing yeah, with you at all. We just did a whole show about Borderlands 2 Vita. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. I love this show. The conversational podcast. Um, here's two quick questions. We'll get through them quick. All right. Okay. Matt writes and it says beyond. 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 Greeting Greg, Colin, in the ever rotating third chair. I recently won two tickets to E3. Yes, that E3 through my employer, and I had a couple questions. The tickets say the event runs June 10th through the 12th, but all the major press conferences are on June 9th. What happens June 10th through the 12th, then? Is it still worth me going? I live quite a ways from Los Angeles, Missouri to be specific, M-I-Z-Z-O-U. So, it's going to be costly. Will you guys be there? Thanks, Beyond. Uh, There's a lot of questions there. So, the first question is that the press conferences are always the day before E3, and you will not get into those without invites to those press conferences. You have to win a whole different competition. Yeah, so your tickets tickets to E3 will not get you into the press conferences. However... Um, how they will get you into the Los Angeles Convention Center, right. where all the awesome games are. Right, like, exactly. Anything that's playable is going to be playable there, and you yeah. got to go play it. So E3 is the press. The press conferences are the most important part of E3, but sure. and they happen. They don't happen at E3, so that's true. But yeah, the three days on the show floor when you can walk around, you know, all the halls and and get your hands on with games and talk to people and meet people. That's what E3 really is, and you will get to have that experience. And yes, we will be there. Yeah, of course we will. Look first on the floor. Look for. I think this is my like. I was in my like eighth or ninth E3. Wow, Aren't you old. so excited, Colin? You're so old. Oh god, I'm thrilled. I love E3. Macca writes in and says, "Was just reading Colin's article about why Sunset Overdrive is an Xbox exclusive, and one main point struck me. It was mentioned that one of Insomniac's main requirements in their publishing negotiations was that they own the IP. Mm-hmm. Does this mean that we could see Sunset Overdrive or a sequel on PS4 somewhere down the line?" So, as far as I understand, Sunset Overdrive One will never appear on anything but Xbox One, and maybe it can come to PC at some point, but it'll never be on PlayStation. Uh, Sunset Overdrive 2 could absolutely be a PlayStation game. Good call um, on their part. So, uh, yeah, they're they're desperate to own their own IP. 
Right. They, Insomni- you have to understand, Insomniac's experience has been like, oh, we created Spyro? Well... Activision gets that. (laughs) Oh, we created Ratchet and Clank. Well, we lost that. We don't own any of that. Oh, we created Resistance. Well, we don't own any of that. So they were like, no, we are now, we own our IP. Because look what happened. Spyro especially was like, I think very painful for them to see like Skylanders is huge. Yeah. You know, and that's their character. And they can't do anything about it. My heart breaks for them when I think about that. Um, So, you know, you have to understand that Ted Price's experience and those guys' experience is like, we make these great games, these mascots. Not so much Resistance. I love Resistance, but Ratchet and Spyro. um, And we don't own them. So with Fuse, um, which was a bad game by all accounts. I didn't play it. Or a a mediocre game. uh, They they, they still own that IP. And they own uh, Outer Knots, which is a Facebook game. And now they own Sunset Overdrive. So, you know, this was a... And I think Microsoft just really wanted to work with them. Because I don't think Microsoft would usually go into a, a negotiation and be like, oh, we don't actually own anything you're doing you know we're publishing the game and funding your game sure. but we don't own the ip i think it was to more be like you know to sony and be exactly. like we're taking one that's of your exactly you know? what it was it was a shot to sony yeah. which they've they've been searching in terms of pr strategy and perception in the you know from the from the consumer and from the from from average joe gamer they've been dying to have something they can you know they can burn sony's britches over and, and this a, was a, a this was it. and it's a good yeah. get for them I'm, I'm sunset's a good game and and i i uh there's some problems that with it, you know. I played it very early. Well, it's but early, I played, yeah, yeah. I played it for an hour though, and uh, so it's a pretty extensive preview of time to play the game, and it's definitely a game worth being excited about. It is an Insomniac game. When's it coming out? Uh, this fall. Great. It it, it it is an Insomniac game. Crazy like, guns. Yeah, just Humor. crazy story. Doesn't take itself seriously. You know, Resistance was like kind of a weird game for them. You know, it was you know it's more like Ratchet. It's to me, it's the it's the evolution of Ratchet. No oh, neat. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Podcast Beyond, episode 342. Thank you so much for your time. Remember, each and every week, Podcast Beyond goes live. Tuesday, it's the MP3. Wednesday, it's the video on IGN.com, YouTube.com, slash IGN, and the PlayStation 4 IGN app, which costs you nothing, Vince. Nothing! Why wouldn't you download it? For no reason would you not download it. That's right. Uh, Keep up with everything we're doing, please. You can go to IGN.com, and you should read the articles, watch the videos. That's what keeps these microphones on. Then make sure you follow everybody on Twitter. IGN is IGN. I'm Game Over Greggy. Colin is no taxation. Vince is Vincognito. I nailed it? Nailed it. Give me a high five. Bam. That's how you know you've made it on Beyond <laughs> when I don't screw up your Twitter handle. Every, I guess Goldfarb never made it. Nope. <laughs> Every podcast Beyond ends in a segment we call Ryan's Wrap-Up. It's where we play a listener song. You sent it in to beyond.ign.com just like you can your questions. Today's comes from Justin C. He says, Beyond. 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 A few weeks ago, I was feeling very inspired by the soundtrack for Streets of Rage 2 for the Sega Genesis. Oh, yes. That game is still one of the best beat-em-ups ever made, second only to River City Ransom. And such a memorable and distinct music to accompany all the bar- bare-knuckled action. <laughs> the result is this track. I named it after one of the best female characters I can remember playing in a video game, Blaze Fielding. All of my music available to listen and download completely free on SoundCloud.com slash Evale. That seems like one of those weird names you'd Evil, know. Evale, we'll go Evil with that. We'll E V A L E I G H. Beyond Justin C. Justin C. It's our privilege to play this song called Blaze Fielding. Beyond. Beyond. Beyond.
Y yo le dije... Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.